Hey friends, welcome back to Christ-Dependent Single Motherhood. I don't know about you, but over the past several years, I have heard the term narcissist and narcissism thrown around so much. It can be hard to know exactly what it means. And especially as Bible-loving Christians, I think a lot of us are asking this question, what does narcissism mean in relation to what the Bible teaches? Does the Bible address the type of person that secular psychology defines as a narcissist? Are they redeemable? What do we do with them? What do they look like? So what I did is I contacted a biblical counselor over in the Pacific Northwest, Kelly Russell. She's going to be with us this week and next week talking about some of these issues surrounding what the world calls narcissists. And I know you're really going to appreciate this conversation. Hello and welcome to Christ-Dependent Single Motherhood. Are you feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and longing for a safe community of believers? Do you sit up at night Googling how to work and homeschool at the same time, or Bible verses on anxiety? Do you wish for a Titus II older woman to help you navigate this lonely parenting path? I'm Sarah, a veteran homeschooling mom, daughter of Christ, and no stranger to broken marriage. I know the heavy burden of shouldering a family alone. I only wanted to raise my children to love Jesus Christ, but I watched as my family crumbled in front of me. I didn't know who I could trust, but God provided the healing and discipleship I needed through mentors who spent years faithfully applying His Word to my heart like ointment to wounds. My desire is to use this podcast to share what I've learned, what I'm still learning. My prayer is that you'll be pointed to Christ, learn to forgive, find freedom from fear, and learn that we have a God who can be trusted. Make sure your earbuds are charged and grab your Bible. Let's walk this path together. Well, here we are again, and I just want to say welcome to Kelly Russell. She is with us this week, and she's going to be with us actually for three weeks. We're doing our series on narcissism. Kelly is a biblical counselor and president of Grace Matters over in Vancouver, Washington. She is an abuse survivor herself, and she has spent years counseling women who are coming out of abusive situations. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Sarah. I'm very glad to be here. Well, I'm I'm grateful that you agreed to come and talk to us because one of the things 
that we've discussed so much in our online community on Facebook is um, this matter of narcissism. We hear this word a lot now. Um, and most of our listeners and definitely the people in our in our Facebook group are people who love God's word and love solid biblical theology. Mm-hmm. And we want to be cautious about the terms we use. And a lot of us, there's been a lot of question, how does this concept of narcissism relate to what the Bible teaches? Or what does the Bible have to say about people that modern psychology calls narcissists? Yeah, that's a big general question. And we know that uh, modern psychology loves to put labels on everything, um, which we can't help but do ourselves, right, as human beings. And when we have a label, we think we've got it all figured out. Um, And because we have a label, uh, people fall under categories and really hard to move move around them. And so we always want to be careful when we're identifying somebody as, oh, that person's a narcissist. Mm. It's uh, been done so much that even as a biblical counselor, I really try to stay away from that language because once you've categorized somebody as a narcissist, it's incredibly hard for uh, either the survivor that's receiving oppressive tendencies from the narcissist to move away from that and see them as a human being created in the image of God, Mm. which is very different than psychology. Psychology wants to put a label on it to say, this is how we treat this. Narcissism is not new. The the emphasis on it is new. The the overwhelm of it is new. And you've got a lot more opportunities to talk about it. And, you know, things like podcasts and YouTube and uh, social media have really elevated and heightened uh, just the impact of the use of the word. Uh, but the truth is, is that b- the Bible actually talks about narcissism, right, in different ways. It d- doesn't come out and use that language, but it uses words like proud, haughty, being selfish, right? The heart is wicked, right, beyond all imagination. So we know that left to our own devices, any of us can be narcissistic. We know that narcissism is on a scale. So if you're looking at a scale, it can go, you know, one to 10. Some person, uh, that's all they do, right? They can only think of themselves. Incredibly challenging to think of other. But we have a Bible that says, tells us all about how we're supposed to think of others as more important than ourselves, right? One of the key pieces of narcissism is they just can't. Everything is about elevating their world, about making them look good or making them look in the way that they want to posture themselves. Sometimes we have, you know, people in leadership who are narcissists and uh, Christianity can sometimes feed that. Because here I am, I'm elevating self, and it can be very spiritual. Um, They can say very nice things, but that becomes the focus instead of reflecting who our Lord and Savior is. So that's kind of an overall. Um, I think that uh, the word narcissism, you know, being able to take that back and, and not be fearful when you hear that you're interacting with somebody who is narcissistic. Um, that's one of the things that we try really hard to do at Grace Matters to take away the overwhelm when somebody's like, well, I think they're a narcissist. And that's, it's always, it always comes that way. And like, all right, well, let's talk about that. This is still a human being created in the image of God. And what's our role? How can we help make them more Christ-like? Narcissist, true narcissist 
aren't really uh, willing to have their hearts changed, right? To have their hearts transform the way that Jesus wants them to have it transformed. Um, always a clue um, if somebody is more narcissistic uh, on the higher end of the scale. So, yeah. So this is something that I have been, I've given some thought to, I've heard this idea of narcissism being on a spectrum, on a scale, because yeah. any sin, the sin of selfishness, yeah. um, the sin of pride, it, we can have that sin. We can be characterized by that sin to greater or lesser degrees, even, yeah. even if we're apart from Christ or even if we're in Christ, we have yeah. different levels of struggle with different sins. Yeah. What, um, what would you say is distinctive? about the person who tends toward the upper end of pride and selfishness when it comes to the the women that you tend to counsel mm -hmm. and they're having they're in a marriage with these men who are characterized by um selfishness sinful pride sinful anger what's the difference between them and the, the typical type of person who, yeah, we deal with some anger, some pride, some selfishness. Is it is the primary thing that you mentioned that they're not willing to hear it, they're not willing to change, or are there other elements too? 99% um, of the time on that high end of the spectrum, uh, one of the passages in Proverbs 13.10 says, through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. Mm. One of the hugest telltales of somebody that's high on the um, uh, scale in narcissism is they don't receive counsel. They evade counsel time and time again. That is constant with every woman that I've walked alongside who I realize they're in a, a marriage where this person is and, and, and a person can be narcissistic, but not always be uh, perniciously oppressive. Oh. It's a very interesting uh, um, reality that I've realized. Um, oppression comes with power and control, right? So narcissists aren't always about power and control, but they are always about self-protection, right? So if you go to the leaders and say, we're having challenge in our marriage, and we need help. Narcissists, many people won't go receive help. They don't want to. It's embarrassing and all those things. But eventually the Holy Spirit gets a hold of their heart. Um, but narcissists will evade it, right? They, they don't want accountability. They don't want the wise counsel because the elevation of need of self-protection to be seen as having it all together, um, to be seen as, uh, so an example of narcissistic patterns is they will be the ones who have the perfect wife who have, you know, the really nice car um, in Christendom, you know, can be, they're the ones who are the elders. They've worked really hard. See how, how powerful I am, how, uh, how much everybody looks up to me. So it's always about elevating and, and spending some time talking. Do you ever hear heart language that says, you know, God really revealed this to me. And absolutely that can be twisted around. But is it a genuine, transformative, you know, sincere, you know, God really revealed to me that um, I need to be more humble, right? Mm. Are they a humble servant? That's one of the biggest things that you don't see in um, 
that you don't see in narcissistic leadership is they're not humble. They're not willing to hear from the people that they shepherd the feedback, right, that they have for them, um, because it's so much about protecting the image of who they are, right? Okay. And so they'll do anything to protect that image. And so then you really become what we call narcissistic, uh, we call them soul vampires, Okay. Because their their goal is really to suck the soul out of you. It's all about feeding them and depleting you. Uh, one of the evidence of somebody that's been in a pretty um, significant uh, oppressive narcissist uh, relationship is that I hear language that's, that shows that they don't have a, a sense of their own personhood, right? The yeah. woman apologizes a lot, you know? So when you're sitting, visiting with her, you hear, I'm sorry this, I'm sorry that, right? Mm -hmm. And that's apology for existing, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what they're so used to. Uh, very hard to come forward until they get so tired of it. So this is one of the challenges in leadership. Um, I have a woman that I'm walking alongside uh, right now. And one of the challenges in leadership is they see this confident, overwhelming, you know, almost pushy woman, right? Well, that's because they've spent years with what we call the thousand cuts of being degraded, minimized, uh, their personhood being, you know, non-existent. And so now they're fighting to have existence to be seen. And that's the impact of uh, the narcissism on that, on the 10th scale, on the high end of the scale. So, wow. yeah. So I'm just yeah. going to repeat back to you what I'm yeah. hearing you say. Yeah is that it's not necessarily the degree of pride and selfishness or anger that um, defines how deep a, a grasp narcissism has on a person. It is more the self-protection and the unwillingness to receive counsel. That's yeah. what you're saying. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what you're so what I'm he hearing you also say is that there's hope for people who struggle with these sins. Yeah. So being able to um, call out the behavior, that's a lot of the place that we start with, right? So when I'm working with a woman, and I know that she's in a relationship with a narcissist, uh, one of the first things that we do is we talk about the behaviors. All right, so when he's using language about, and obviously I'm talking about women because that's who I counsel most. That doesn't mean that women can't be narcissists. So I'm going to be really clear. Sure. Yes. Because women, female narcissists are just as pernicious as men. Um, but because of the work I do, um, I'm focusing mostly on men. So, okay. yeah. Um, but when, um, when I start working with a woman that I know is in a narcissistic relationship, one of the first things we start talking about is giving her language and we teach. Okay, so what does minimization look like? When do you really feel heard? Some people can be in relationships with people that are just terrible listeners. Okay, that doesn't make them necessarily narcissistic. But a narcissist will do things like twist, right? They twist. Oh, so you said this. No, so we're back to the crazy making. We're back to the gaslighting, right? When you feel that you are like, I tried to have a conversation and I came away feeling more confused uh, than when I went in. Okay, that's probably indicative that there's some blame shifting going on. There's leveling going on. There's minimizing of, of what's going on for you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, some of the language we use when we're practicing learning how to listen to one another is, okay, um, I need you to listen and hear me all the way. And then you can give feedback, right? Uh, narcissists refuse to do that. 
especially when they're on that high-end scale. So we can start to talk about behavior. Okay, when you do this, when you're saying this language to me, to, to somebody who's willing to hear from their wife, and they just have a narcissistic tendency, they'll say, oh, I'm so sorry, that's not the impact I was trying to have on you, right? So it helps bring somebody that has that tendency to the table to not make them feel so powerless and hopeless the way that the world wants us to feel. Oh, you're a narcissist. You're you're just, you're not, help. we can't help it, right? So we can, we can navigate that in that way. So then over time, as she starts to say, okay, that language is blame shifting. I'm trying to share something with you that I see happening or share from my own perspective and you're turning around to say that I'm to blame. So an example of that might be um, hard to think of examples on the fly um, <laughs> might be, um, you know, uh, yesterday when we were visiting with the couple that came over, um, I was trying to share something that I was really excited about that, you know, maybe Johnny had done at school or something like that. And you really talked over me when I was trying to share that. And um a narcissistic response would be, well, you know, you were really going on too long, or they were really not, you know, engaged in what you had to say. So minimizing everything that she felt, mm -hmm. and twisting it into she's she's the issue, right? And it's that pattern that goes on and on. Um, so those are some examples of how we start to address that. Okay, so I'm hearing you say you try to avoid using that term narcissist because it's so doom and gloom. It sounds like there's no hope if we yeah. slap that label on somebody yeah. that, um, you know, you can, you can never have peace in that marriage, but it also sounds like you are giving these women some tools within the marriage, yeah. as long as they're still in it for communicating and gently pushing back when it comes to the sins of their husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, how a lot of our listeners are separated. They're not mm -hmm. divorced. Yeah. Um, how, how often do you get a situation where the woman can continue to live with her um, prideful, selfish husband by using some of these tools for mm -hmm. the long term. Yeah. Um, two things really need to happen. One, she needs to be in her own uh, counseling, right? <clears throat> Through an organization that is informed. So, and the reason for that isn't because she's the problem. It's so that she's getting neutral feedback, right? And when you're interacting with things. Um, and the second one is he has to be in counseling as well. And it has to be somebody that is trauma and abuse informed. And preferably, yes, that they would be informed about uh, narcissism and the manipulation that can happen. And it has to be consistent over time. Mm -hmm. Number one problem of uh, encouraging a woman to stay in a relationship is that he's not willing to do the work. So typically when they're on that high uh, you know, to the higher end of the uh, scale of narcissism, they're not willing to do it because it's beneath them. Right. They don't need counseling, right? 
or it can feel like, um, you know, it's never enough. I've heard that. I can't even tell you that. And men don't love counseling in general, right? So that's not surprising. That's not unique. Right. But if he truly loves his wife and he's truly about the marriage, he's going to do whatever it takes, right? And to have a healthy connection with your leadership. So we need accountability, right, with counselors separately and individually, and then coming together in leadership. And and the leadership piece is challenging because leaderships are, leadership is not always trained or you've got narcissism going on in leadership so they don't see anything different um so being able to vet it out and to say okay do i have a leadership who truly is trying to shepherd me and hear what i have to say or are they just trying to send me back to go back to the marriage submit and just be the good and dutiful wife right um, so when you're separated, those are some key pieces. Um, and are, and is the other person able to hear? Are you able to hear what's really happening for me? But a lot of times the reason that, that, that doesn't happen is because the woman who's been in the relationship for a long time, she doesn't even know what's happening. And that's the part that she needs to be in counseling so she can start to have better language to be clear. Okay. This is a behavior. When this behavior happens, I feel minimized. I don't feel heard. I don't feel valued as a human being, right? Created in the image of God. Um, as a sister in Christ, I don't feel like you're seeing me that way. I see that I am here as a means for you to get to the next whatever. And so, yeah, over time, um, so being separated, is is he being humble? Is he is he coming back and saying, I really want to do what I can? Okay, well, when and is and is he willing to hear when you when you do these things? It, it hurts my soul. It's a tearing of my soul and I can't interact with it and I won't interact with it. So then if we have to have a hard conversation, um, I've had to do that in my, tried to do that in my uh, previous marriage, uh, which I'm divorced from 25 years, I think. And, um, but I am married to somebody who has narcissistic tendencies. And so I know that calling it out and saying, eventually his heart gets around to it. It's not always right away. Mm -hmm. um, but because I refuse to interact with the behavior, he knows that. So I've drawn a boundary. I'm safe and sure my emotions get hurt and yep, I feel minimized, but I know that that's a default for him for when he's feeling really wounded or he's feeling really overwhelmed. He's not trying to oppress me. It's just how he's learned to navigate the world. And he is what we call a, a negative narcissist. So it comes out of deep wounding, right? It doesn't come out of a place of wanting to elevate himself. And when he does want to elevate himself, it, it's because He's coming from that deep wounding space. Something has hit that. God's given me the insight to be able to see that for whatever reason. And sometimes that's the case. And that's why, you know, we talk about behavior versus character assassination, right? Okay. He's got these tendencies. Let's, let's vet it out. Let's start to, you know, push back on some of these behaviors and refuse to interact with the behaviors, right? When you see gaslighting, shut it down right away. Nope, not interacting with that. And even if you're being, you feel like you're being overly dramatic, because the truth is, is that until you get safe, you can't heal. And safety means I'm not interacting with what we call the thousand cuts. Every time I interact, my personhood is minimized, right? That's a cut. And so we want to heal. And the best way for us to heal is to be in a safe place, which means that we're in safe healthy, loving, nurturing, and caring relationship. That has to be nurtured first. And if that's not able to happen while well, we're living under the same roof and we're feeling more cut up every single day, then yeah, 
that's mm-hmm. when separation really needs to happen so that you can breathe, you know. I just have one more question before yeah. we wrap up this episode. Yeah. Help our listeners understand why it's impossible to address these issues in couples counseling or marital counseling. Mm-hmm. It lay, lay it out, you know, like we're five years old. Why, yeah. does, why do the husband and wife have to have separate counseling in yeah. relationships like these? Yeah. Until some significant work has been done. So when you have couples coming together and you will see this all the time, leadership is always about, no, you need marriage counseling. We need to hear both sides. Well, we know that two things have happened when we're in a long-term relationship with somebody with narcissistic tendencies, the the person who's being, um, I'm going to call it oppression, what's narcissistic oppression is being minimized. So their voice, they don't know how to speak their truth. They don't know how to share what's going on for them because they're always under this uh kind of uh, umbrella of what the narcissistic uh, spouse is thinking, feeling, doing. They're they're controlling, right? And they control the narrative. That's a really important piece about narcissistic tendencies is they always are controlling the narrative. Oh, when you say this, it means this. And you can be like, no, that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. But it's they're so loyal to their narrative that they will do everything to support it. So when you're together in couples counseling, whatever narrative that they're bringing to the table, right? It's not about being humble. It's not about being well. It's about showing the counselor how crazy he or she is, right? See, this is what I have to deal with all the time, right? Mm -hmm. It's not helpful. And the survivor of narcissistic oppression comes out of there feeling even more cut up and even more wounded. That's not creating safety. That's not getting him or her to a place where they are standing on uh, their worth and their value as God says that they are, right? It's their worth and value says the narcissist, right? And we want to get them out of that. And so it it, it doesn't take much conversation to, to realize that um, whether somebody's got narcissistic tendencies or not, um, you, you can pick that up with the language as a counselor. So, and sadly, a lot of churches are not um, they're not equipped. They don't know how to catch the language. They're not seeing manipulation. They're not seeing when um, the the narcissistic spouse is talking over the other one or controlling the whole entire agenda. Um, I've been in, in situations where where the woman was the narcissist, and boy, howdy, to to allow that man any any room to speak about anything. You know, you talk about uh, a minimized human being, and um, it's because the degrading is just so loud, mm. not helpful, not helpful for them and not helpful for the the one who's being oppressed to sit in the counseling room and to be um, degraded even more. Right now, you've got a witness to that. That's not helpful. So we want to strengthen. We want to strengthen the base of the survivor. Right. And we want to um, hold accountable the one who's got the tendencies of being oppressive in a narcissistic way, help them start to see the way, see their heart, the way God sees their heart, right? Are you being a humble servant leader or are you being a caring, loving uh, uh, sister in Christ to your husband? Because Christ is pretty clear, right? Love has none greater than this, than he who would lay down his life for his friends. Are we living by that? And the best way for that to happen, you're saying, is when each spouse can be addressed separately, are you upholding um, the scripture as a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ? Yep. 
Well, Kelly, I really appreciate your coming and talking to us today. And I am actually looking forward to our next conversation. I know that a lot of the ladies that listen to us and within our Facebook group want to know if we're in a situation where we're single Mm -hmm. and we're considering remarriage, how do we spot a narcissist and how do we avoid getting involved with someone like this? Yeah. That's a really common question. I look forward to talking through through it with you. Wonderful. If you've been uplifted in any way by this podcast, it would mean so much if you'd not only subscribe, but leave a written review over on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for a community of like-minded, believing women on the same path as you, consider joining our Facebook group. A link is in the show notes. Until next time, remember, we have a God who can be trusted.